to you in worship. It is the least that we can do for who you are and all that you have done on our behalf. We are so grateful, God, for the world that you have created, for making us the way that you've made us, for gifting us the way you have, uh, giving us talents and, and gifts that we each have, but also pouring blessings from your hand each and every day. Best blessings like adequate food to eat, uh, water to drink, medicines to help keep us well, adequate food and shelter as well. All of these things and many, many more come from you, and we pray, God, that we would always give thanks to you for, again, who you are and all the blessings that have fallen from your hand. We realize that, God, that not everyone enjoys the bounty that we enjoy. We realize that there are those that are struggling in our world, and so our hearts go out to them. But we also pray that you would spur within us and others the willingness and ability to help those in need, to help the woman who doesn't have the bare necessities in her apartment that she needs to, to, uh, to raise a family, to, to be with the person on the street that is looking for a place to stay to be with the person in a distant country who doesn't have food to eat, doesn't have clean water to drink. And uh, people throughout the world who are looking for medicines that are affordable and that will help alleviate their pain or alleviate their condition. We pray, God, that you would mobilize us as your church to be your people on mission, to help share the word, the good news of Jesus Christ but to meet the need that we come across throughout the world. God, we pray for those on our prayer list today, and we remember those who mourn this day. We pray for your comfort and your grace for those who mourn today. We pray your healing touch to be on those continuing to deal with a longstanding illness, be it cancer or any other illness that continues to drain our energy and distract our attention and occupy our mind. We pray, God, for those who are healing from accidents. And we pray that you'd be with them to give them strength, to give them courage, and to bring healing to them as well. And we pray, God, for all the unmentioned prayer requests that uh, are on our hearts and minds this day. We lift those up to you, and we know, God, that you are good and will receive those requests and answer them in your good and perfect way. We pray, God, for the ministry of this church and the vision of this church. We pray that you would continually share your vision with us and help us be receptive to to catch that vision and to strive to be the church that you have called us to be. We know that many, many things distract us as your church in this world. Many, many things would try to uh, take us away and, and want us to chase rabbits when, um, when you have a vision for us and, and uh, there's a way for us to thrive in ministry and, and to thrive in pursuing you and following you. 
So we pray that we would cast aside all of those things that would want to tear us away and distract us from being your people and, to, and from serving your people in this world. We pray now for our time of worship, and we pray that uh, we would be attentive to your word to us and that we would come away from this time together changed and changed for the better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We turn to our scripture for this morning. Scripture is out of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. And two sections toward the end of that chapter. Verses 19 to 25. And then verses 36 to 39. Again, Hebrews 10. Verses 19 to 25. And then 36 to 39. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved." Since the first of the year, we've been studying a book by Francis Chan called Letters to the Church. And we've been considering what he has written about the church and its faithfulness to God and its calling. So over these last several weeks, Chan has given us a lot to think about. We've been looking at the importance of worship and our attitude toward worship. We don't come here out of obligation or because it's a habit that we have. We come here to worship the creator of everything. You name it, and God created it. God also regularly showers us with gifts. Whatever you have, family, friends, intellect, money, clothes, health, food, whatever it is, you name it, and God has given it to you. So God deserves our praise and our worship for who he is and what he's done. But we don't always act like we're worshiping the God of everything. We forget the priority that worship ought to have in our life. We've also talked about the importance and the place of the church 
and the role of the church as established and ordained by God. We talked about our actually being blocks, which are the temple of God, and we reviewed the priorities of the early church, which experienced tremendous growth while focusing on worship and teaching, fellowship, breaking bread together, and prayer. Admittedly, sometimes we get a little tired of church. We want church to be a little more interesting or church to make us happy. We like to complain about who does what at church or complain about who doesn't do what at church. So our spiritual vision gets a little out of focus and we lose sight of just how special this bride of Christ really is and how important it is to God's mission in the world. And if the early church could thrive while focusing on just four basic elements of church life, then maybe it would help us to be a little more devoted to those things in our life as well. We also looked at the call for us to be committed Christians, passionate in pursuing God and growing to be God's people on mission in the world. God's goal for us is for us to resemble His Son, Jesus. So we are to follow Him as our example of service, being humble and, and willing to be used by God. We like to run our own life, but as a Christian, our calling is to die to self and put our desires, our wants, and our goals under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God and His kingdom are to be our top priority, and then everything else will find its place in proper perspective under that. That's extremely hard to do, uh, granted, and it requires humility and surrendering your will to what God wants and desires. Several weeks ago, we talked about having a commitment to suffer and sacrifice for each other. Chan claims that there are millions of people who have been taught that they can believe in Jesus and become a Christian and it will cost them nothing. Yet Jesus says that to follow him will demand our all, and even our very life. So we have to come to grips with that high, the high demands of our faith and learn to put other people first to cultivate an attitude of sacrificial love for each other. Finally, we talked about the amazing gifts and tremendous power that God has given us. We have gifts and power to accomplish God's work throughout the world. But more often than not, we are content to be sedentary, like animals that are in cages at a zoo. So we have to remember our calling and make an effort to break out of those cages and return to the wild for which we were made. So again, that's a lot of ground that we have covered. And with all of that, we have to ask ourselves, well, where do we go from here? What can we do to be church again, as Chan describes it in his last chapter? If we truly have drifted away from what God wants for his church, as Chan has said, how do we correct that path? How can we correct our course and again recapture God's vision for what church ought to be? Well, we've got several good clues from reading uh, this scripture in Hebrews, 
And those suggestions mesh pretty well with the encouragement that Chan offers in his last chapter. Verse 22 in our scripture calls us to draw near to God. We need to seek God, no, really pursue God in the assurance that as a child of God, we want to know God and be closer to Him than anything else. To me, Chan describes that drawing near to God with a couple of suggestions from his book. He says that we have to make room in our life for God, almost like we do some spring cleaning around the house. Too often our homes and our life can get cluttered with junk and things that don't really matter. We tend to hoard stuff that we like but isn't really useful from a kingdom perspective. So Chan says that we ought to clear out some of that old stuff and make more room for God. He also uses an example of taking his family on a vacation to a cabin in the snow. The only rule that he had for his kids going on this trip was that they couldn't bring any phones, no video games, no computers, and no TVs. They were to keep all of that clutter out of their lives for a few days. Well, the kids, as you could, might tell, weren't very thrilled about going on this trip without any of their toys that they could play with. But they decided to go on this free trip from dad anyway. And when all of those distractions and devices that clutter up life were taken away, the family had a great time with days filled with snowball fights, sledding, snowboarding, building fires, playing board games, and talking and laughing with each other. Another basic element of our faith that helps us draw closer to God is to read our Bible daily. That's a great way to know God's heart and to deepen your relationship with God. Chan says that the desire is for the Christian to be obsessed with God. Now you know that I've been encouraging you to read your Bible this year and to make it a habit to be in God's Word and to read God's Word regularly. I haven't done a formal survey or anything, but I have noticed an increased number of people that are carrying their Bible and reading their Bible. The last count I had was that there about seven people had told me that they were getting new Bibles this year or that they were committing to read the Bible this year. And that is uh, great, a great number for our size church. But if you've committed to read your Bible this year, I encourage you to stay at the task and to keep at it. When we think of correcting our course to recapture the vi- God's vision of, of his church, Hebrews 10.23 has another word of advice for us. That verse speaks of holding on to the hope that we have. That is perseverance in good times and in the face of adversity. It's determination to continue on in your faith through the storms of life. That kind of persistence builds a faith that is strong and enduring. Another piece that we see in our verses this morning is, a piece of advice is uh, encouragement. We're to encourage one another, supporting and inspiring one another to do good and to grow in love. Finally, out of the book of Hebrews, we're to meet, continue to meet together. We're to continue our fellowship that supports the body of Christ. Our meeting together, sharing our gifts in fellowship, 
builds up the body of Christ and makes more lovely the bride of Christ, which is the church. Well, using Hebrews 10 as sort of a broad background, Chan details several practices which are helpful in correcting our vision, discovering again what God wants us to be as His church and how God wants us to care for Christ's bride, loving it and supporting it. I'm not going to share the entire list, and we've already talked about his advice of reading the Bible daily. One practice that Chan talks about is for each member to grow in their faith. And certainly, again, Bible study is a part of that. As we, each one of us is committed to be a part of this congregation and support its mission, we should expect to collectively grow our faith. Each person should be reading their Bible and should be in class, a class or a small group that will stretch them and help them grow in their faith. Somewhere I heard many years ago, something that still applies to my life and to yours, everyone in their life needs a Paul and a Barnabas. We need someone who is going to be like a Paul and mentor us and build into us, teach us and bring us along the way. But we also need someone like a Barnabas that we can mentor, someone that we can teach and pour our lives into. In that way, you can grow towards spiritual maturity and greater holiness. A byproduct of growing our faith ought to be greater love and support for God's church. In addition, Chan would also say that all members of the church need to be making disciples. This is not the job of the pastor or just a few key people in the church, but we are all called to go and make disciples. Chan would also say that we want our church to be a place where people have room to express their gifts and where all people are participating and sharing their gifts. As I said a few weeks ago, for us to be the church that God wants us to be, we need 100% of the people here using 100% of their giftedness in support of the church. It might be being the best, most compassionate, and understanding usher that you know how to be. It might be teaching in the children's Sunday school department and being as loving and supportive as you can be while sharing great truths of the Scripture with young, eager minds. You get the idea. You can do that with every job that we have in the church. As those in the early church shared what they had in caring for one another, the members of our church can also generously share their talents and resources with each other. With our focus on eternity and not on building up earthly treasures, we can joyfully share what we have within the church and abroad. And that leads to the last suggestion that I have from Chan. To be a church with a proper kingdom vision, a church that is aligned with God's purpose, we must be a church where everyone supports mission. Chan says that there are still billions of people with a B, billions of people who have never heard about Jesus. So he asks his people to consider going to an unreached people group. Now, when I read that, that sounded wonderful. But at first I thought, that's not really too realistic. But Chan went on. 
he said that we need to change our mindset when it comes to mission. He said, rather than assuming that you're staying until you hear the word from God to go, it seems more biblical to assume that you're going unless you believe God has called you somehow to stay. Well, that takes our mission mentality and flips it on its head. That mindset has us continually looking beyond our walls to see who we can serve and whom we can reach. It has our motor running, really ready to help others and ready to share the gospel message with anyone we, we come across. And who knows, when Chan says going, that doesn't necessarily mean traveling overseas. It might mean that, but it doesn't have to mean that. Going might mean going across the street or just saying the right word to someone that you meet in your daily activity. The bottom line is for us to get in that mindset of assuming that we're going and not staying. So you're prepared to share God's blessings to anyone that you meet when you have the opportunity. So for two months now, Francis Chan has been poking at the church, reminding us of how we've strayed from God's intent and challenging us to renew our commitment as Christians who love Jesus. And while it might seem like he's picking on us, he's also talking to himself too. And all along, his goal has been to set us dreaming, to keep us from settling for what feels okay. His aim has been to affirm our nagging sense that God wants something more from us and from our church than we're experiencing. And those are all good, good things for us to consider. In the end, if we can be more like the church that God intended, Chan says that we might be surprised and find that people are actually attracted to a group that is devoted to the presence of God. After all, it was enough to attract all of the new believers in the New Testament. And as Chan says, it was, an, it was good enough to attract over 100 million people in the underground church in China. So it could be that God is waiting for a group of people to strip away all they think will work and devote themselves to what he commanded. It could be that God is waiting for a group of people to strip away all they think will work and devote themselves to what he commanded. Could church growth be that easy? Well, let's try it and see.